The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. This is Taking Stock. The Republican presidential candidate, Donald Trump, he put new details on his uh, scale-back tax plan today, uh, one that is projected to cost the federal government less money, but also to deliver perhaps fewer benefits to taxpayers than Donald Trump's original proposal. He was speaking uh, today and uh, the tax plan is, of course, uh, one of intense uh, interest to uh, voters. Here to tell us more is Wilbur Ross. He is the chairman and the chief executive of W.L. Ross and a Company. He is a noted investor, collector, and uh, he is uh, an advisor to Donald Trump. Mr. Ross, thank you very much for being here. Thank uh, you for having g- me. Give us, give us your uh, reaction and your, your thoughts and perspective on Donald Trump's uh, speech about the economy. Well, I thought both the substance and the delivery of it were exemplary. Uh, I thought he did a very good job in both, even though at the very beginning the teleprompter didn't work. He was about five minutes into his speech before they turned the teleprompter on. didn't seem to phase him. I thought the most interesting line in the whole speech was he said it used to be that automobiles were made in Flint, Michigan, and you couldn't drink the water in Mexico. Now you can drink the water in, you can't drink the water in Flint, Michigan, and the cars are being made in Mexico. Well, you know, Wilbur, I uh, was over the weekend, coincidentally, I was, you know, you start looking at tweets and all these different things, and you just land on all kinds of interesting information. And someone had tweeted out a clip of Donald Trump at least 20, maybe 30 years ago, judging by the difference in hair and everything right. else, right? And he was doing an interview with on a, on a local broadcast in New York City, and he was talking quite adamantly about the uh, U.S. giving away too much, sending too much money overseas for military purposes, et cetera, and not keeping enough money here in the United States to, to build up schools, build up housing, et cetera. Um, th- so this is not something that Donald Trump just thought about a year ago. No, that's true. And, in, and when it comes to trade, it seems to me that there is a, 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 an ever more vocal minority of economists not hewing the conventional line, which is, oh, trade deals are good and they increase our prosperity, but saying there are certain kind of trade deals that actually do the opposite. Well, first of all, the conventional economists have generally been wrong on the economy. I don't know one of them who's been very accurate in the last 10 years. So I think we can over-deify the professional economists, but anybody, economists or not, who thinks that trade deficits help the country just can't add and subtract. It's true that treaties like NAFTA make for more trade going back and forth, but that isn't the point. The only thing that rubs off is the difference between what you export and what you import. So I've never understood why so many of them are ideological as opposed to looking at the numbers and saying, how can we really say we like the idea of an $800 billion trade deficit in goods between the U.S. and the rest of the world? Every economist says 
gee, look at the great job China has done. They've grown by exports. Well, if trade balance positive is a good thing for an economy, how can a negative trade balance also be a good thing for an economy? It's silly. I have truly never understood why they don't get it. But I'll tell you what, the man in the street does get it. And the man in the street and woman in the street knows we're exporting jobs instead of products. We need to keep the jobs and export products. Tell us a little bit about his tax plans, because I understand that he says he would reduce taxes on all business income, including both traditional corporations as well as so-called pass-through entities, to 15%. And he also says that U.S.-based manufacturers would be allowed to fully write off the cost of new plants and equipment from their taxes uh, in order to spur investment. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Well, let's talk first about the pass-through. One of the Groups that he's excluded from the 15% rate are people like me because he has specifically told us that carried interest will now be taxed at the full 33% rate. So, And that's all right. It's a pretty good business in any event. So I'm here as a personal victim saying I don't mind being victimized because I think he'll spend the money wisely. Now, what does the tax plan really mean? A married couple with two children earning 50000 a year and paying 8000 a year for child care will have a 35% reduction in their taxes. That's a big number. Uh, go up the bracket a little bit. A couple earning 75000 again with two children, and now paying 12000 for child care, they will have a 30% reduction. Let's go to the extreme opposite end of the spectrum. Married couple, two children, $5 million a year of income, and the same thing, paying even more for child care. Their taxes will go down 3%. So this is a very progressive tax system that he's got, and the incorrect notion that some people have tried to put forward that this is just for rich people is really quite foolish and quite inaccurate. How are we going to pay for it? Are you going to issue more bonds? No, no. Here's how he's going to pay for it. First of all, you'll see some of the independent scorers are going to say that the dynamic cost of the tax plan is about $2.6 trillion. That's a pretty big number. But the part of it that I worked on, along with Peter Navarro, namely developing the regulatory and the trade part, we'll be able to take back into federal tax revenues about a trillion eight of the two six. That leaves 800. And Donald's plan is to take one cent per year out of the discretionary spending, one cent more per year out of discretionary spending other than military. That's a huge number uh, over the 10-year period. And then the rest will come from just running it more efficiently. Now, Donald Trump has also said that uh, he's including a 10% tax on repatriation of profits overseas by U.S. corporations and also put together a sort of an incentive plan uh, for U.S.-based manufacturings to expense the cost of their plants and equipment. Yes. The, the way the cost of expensing the plants will work is that corporations and other businesses will make a choice. They can either fully depreciate the property or 
they can get an interest deduction. They can't get full depreciation write-off and full interest write-off. And more or less the purpose of that is to foster capital investment, not so much to foster LBOs. Well, um, there's certainly a lot of economists and Federal Reserve officials that would agree that investment spending has been extremely weak and most of it short term and business people seem unwilling to go, you know, buy back shares. We've seen a lot of that with cheap funding, right? But we haven't seen a lot of investment. As as someone who has been a distressed investor, as someone right. who has worked with banks and other kinds of companies, what do you think is holding back investment? Well, I think it's pretty clear. Gross domestic private investment other than residential, namely the basically the corporate investment, used to be three quarters of a percent of GDP. Now it's around one quarter of a percent. There's a half a point off GDP because of less investment. And it, it all started in 2001 and two when China was admitted to the WTO. FDI has gone up very, very rapidly. And what's really happened is instead of corporations fixing their domestic factories and putting capital in to make them more efficient, they're closing the factory and moving the whole thing to some less developed country. So the corporations are still getting productivity increase. And that's why corporate America doesn't oppose all these trade deals. But what about Mr. and Mrs. America? They're the ones who are left at home with either no job or flipping hamburgers. Just a last point to Wilbur Ross. Uh, Some estimates, according to Bloomberg Politics, the new cost of the Trump tax plan could be around $3 trillion over a decade. Do you buy that? Well, it is in the static model. But it's not meant to be a static model. And just so that your listeners can understand, static model assumes that the cuts in taxes have no favorable impact on the economy. I don't think there's anybody who should logically believe that they'll have no impact. The dynamic model shows the $2.6 trillion minus the 1.8 that we'll get from trade and regulatory, and then minus the other savings. So there you go. you got to look at it dynamically if you want to understand Donald Trump's tax plan. Wilbur Ross, thank you so very much for joining us, Chairman and CEO of WL Ross & Co. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.